Welcome to our Triune Pod, where we prepare you to praise. I'm the Reverend Nick Comiskey. And I'm the Reverend Ben DeHart. Join us for a conversation about low-key theology, lived experience, and outlandish pop culture as we break down the collect of the day for the coming week. We hope it's an inspiring, maybe a bit irreverent, but mostly helpful way to get you ready for some God time. Welcome back to another episode of Our Triune Pod with Nick and me, Ben. And I just have one question for Nick Kamiski this morning, and it is this. What New Year's resolution have you failed here a mere five days into the new year? Ben, you're outing me. I didn't know this question was coming. Uh, <laughs> just kidding. Um, okay, but I do have a good answer, actually. So look, can I, can I, can I tell you a little story for a second? Please. Uh, like three, four years ago was when I was serving this church in Kansas City. I preached actually on the, on the call that we're going to talk about today, but it was about the new year. Uh, it was the first Sunday after the new year. And I went on this like um, unrequested rant about like the futility of New Year's resolutions. And I even cited some like, data gleaned from the New York Times about how many people fail them, you know, pretty typical move. Uh, and so there was this guy, uh, who's a good friend of mine, who was listening to the sermon. And he, I mean, the way he tells the story, he's like, I'm going to prove Nick wrong. And so I think, I think that year he came up with a resolution of uh, like, he wasn't going to eat dessert the whole year. And then like every year since then, he's like done a resolution and has like stuck to it to the T until <laughs> until last year and oh. last year his resolution was i'm gonna do a push-up for every day of the year so like on january 1st i'll do one on january 2nd i'll do two on february 4th i'll do 45 whatever that number is and he got until like august uh like so he i don't know he was doing like hundreds of push-ups a day and then he eventually hurt his shoulder <laughs> so like he had to stop doing it but so this uh, you know this year i was like you know what man i'm gonna try that i'm gonna see how long i can go and like day four i just completely forgot to do any so i already <laughs> broke it and it wasn't because i hurt my shoulder i didn't even have a good excuse it just slipped my mind yeah so that guy's name is Ben Thompson. He's not listening to this, but shouts <laughs> shouts to Ben and his inspiration. Uh, and I already failed. What about you, man? Well, hey, hold on, hold on, hold on. We need to clear the air here for a second. Uh -oh. So we are we are re-recording this podcast, uh, dear friends, because yesterday we recorded it, and Ben was too hungover from the night before because of his birthday celebration. So we had to, so he texted me last night and he's like, man, I think we need to redo this one. I think it had more to do with me than you, to be honest. I didn't do a great job, but um, okay. Anyway, now that, now that the air is clear, Ben, what, what new year's resolution have you failed? Oh, well, I mean, I, I have people around me who are doing this whole 30 thing and they're really trying to get me into it, including my boss, including my boss's wife, a bunch of my parishioners. And I have just refused left and right. And I'm sure they'll probably be successful because they're only doing it for a month. But yeah, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm with uh, some of our listeners are probably familiar with Sarah Condon and her work with Mockingbird, but she shits on new year's resolutions so hard. And I've just internalized that. So my New Year's resolution is like <laughs> to be patient with other people. <laughs> so it's a, an impossible goal, but yeah, it's smart. It's smart to set goals that like can't be quantified or checked. <laughs> it's like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm maybe. So but. what is? Oh, never mind. Okay. Um, <laughs> all right, we're gonna do we're gonna do the collect for the first Sunday after the Epiphany, the baptism of our Lord. But Ben, why don't we start with like very 
briefly and not too seriously, uh, like narrate the change of seasons, liturgical seasons that we're in. All right. So for those of you who've been listening, you know that Christmas is not just one day, it's 12 days. And the 12th night of Christmas is the feast of the epiphany. And on that night, we celebrate the manifestation or the showing forth of the glory of God in Jesus Christ. And on that night, it is you know, the star that leads the three wise men to Christ. And this is the showing forth of the glory of God in Jesus to the Gentiles or to all the nations, to outsiders like you and me. And while Epiphany isn't officially a season, uh, it's really ordinary time, uh, there are these collects for the Sundays after Epiphany. So functionally, it is a season. So those of you who love to go by the letter of the law, uh, I'm saying all that for you. But really, the you know, not season of Epiphany is about the showing forth of the glory of God in Jesus Christ through the early years of his life. And today, we're going to take a look at the baptism of our Lord. So all that said, we'll probably talk way more about this in upcoming weeks, but let's jump right into the collect. Again, this is about the baptism of our Lord, the first Sunday after the Epiphany, and then Nick Comiskey is going to enlighten you all. So here we go. Father in heaven, who at the baptism of Jesus in the River Jordan, proclaimed him your beloved son and anointed him with the Holy Spirit. Grant that all who are baptized into his name may keep the covenant they have made and boldly confess him as Lord and Savior, who with you and the Holy Spirit lives and reigns one God in glory everlasting. Amen. All right, Nick, what's up with the baptism of our Lord? What is up with the baptism of our Lord? Uh, that's a good question. So, I mean, there's like nine ways into this. Uh, and I think what we maybe a way to structure our conversation is to talk a bit about what the baptism of Jesus in and of itself represents. And then maybe we could pivot later to like how we who are baptized into his name or into that, um, keep the covenant we make and boldly confess him as our Lord and savior. But let's start with like the actual baptism of Jesus and what that represents because, um, in many ways, that's a more interesting conversation than like the, the, the latter half of this collect. Um, well, so the baptism of Jesus happens in the beginning of the Gospels, obviously. And um, what it does is it kind of inaugurates his vocation in a public way, right? I think that's pretty clear. Um, and there's this question that is asked in the, the biblical record of it, like, well, Jesus, why do you have to be baptized? I think it's John the Baptist who asked that, but it's like the question that, the anon that everyone there is asking, right? And he says, it is to fulfill all righteousness. It's to like... It's to kind of say yes to God in the unreserved way that human beings, you know, never do. Um, and by going into the water and by coming up out of the out of the water, it's kind of this prefigurement, right, of, of death and resurrection. Um, what I thought was was really interesting that I had never really thought about before, as I was doing a, a bit of reading, is the way that the uh, to to pick up our conversation from last week, your uh, your Eastern Orthodox friends, um, the way that the Eastern tradition, Eastern Christian tradition, understands Jesus's baptism as not just a prefigurement of his death for our sins, 
like in a kind of an atonement way, as important as that is, but as the way that Jesus's baptism kind of prefigures his descent into the underworld. Um, Saint Cyril of Jerusalem, uh, he's, which I don't know when he was around, but it was a long time a long ago. Time ago. Uh, he says, um, when Jesus went down into the waters, he bound the strong man. And mm. the idea being that we are kind of captive to these anonymous forces, right? That are you know powers and principalities and are kind of symbolically resident in the underworld um, in some ways. And Jesus goes down there, you know, all the way down to, um, to liberate us. And mm. so the baptism and his descent into the water is this like sign that Jesus is gonna go all the way down into the depths of human sin and misery but also go all the way down into the places where we are bound and he's going to liberate us and free us. Um, and so the baptism of Jesus is obviously first and foremost about Jesus, but it becomes very quickly about us and what he has done for us um, on our behalf, you know, as the captain of, of our salvation to use the language of Hebrews. So if, you know, uh, first off, we could say that this collect and what this Sunday in which this collect is embedded represents is like a reminder of who Jesus is and what Jesus has done uh, for us. Yeah, I love, so Rowan Williams, I forget which book it is, but he talks in a similar vein in the kind of Eastern understanding of the baptism of Jesus. And then he extends it just like you, you started to, to you and me. And, and he says that when the voice of God, the father says, over Jesus, this is my son, uh, the beloved, in whom I am well pleased that you and I, by virtue of our baptism, not by virtue of anything we bring to the equation, but by virtue of us being baptized, that voice, that same voice says over you and me, you are my beloved daughter, my beloved. With you, I am well pleased, or you are my beloved son the beloved with you, I am well pleased. And all by virtue of, as, as Nick mentioned, Christ beginning his work of atonement, defeating the strong man and adopting us as his beloved sons and daughters. And I think that'll preach. Uh, yeah, yeah, very well might. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, another <clears throat> kind of, an, uh, you know, a, tr uh, a tired but very effective illustration of this uh, is uh, that scene, in uh, Return of the King, The Lord of the Rings, you know, when um, Aragorn, they're like um, journeying to Minas Tirith to face the, gosh, I sound like such a nerd. But the idea <laughs> is um, when um, Elrond, the, you know, elf king, uh, comes to Aragorn in the middle of the night and gives him that one sword that can like defeat Sauron and free the peoples of Middle-earth. And he uses this line, you know, put aside the ranger become who you were born to be. Um, and I don't want to apply that to, to Jesus in the way that like a certain strand of scholarship would say like, Jesus wasn't the son of God until, or whatever, you know, but uh, so Jesus didn't need to put aside his humanity or put aside his ordinary life or something, but put aside the ranger, become who you were born to be. The baptism is when Jesus starts to not become because he already was, but starts to really act as our like liberator and to, to free us from the strong man, right? Um, yeah, I don't know. Does, does that does that illustration work for you? Is that, I, like is that, I like it. Does that do so anything? What, so what 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 is this uh, this covenant that we have made by virtue of baptism? Then what, what do you make of that? Um, well, 
I don't think we're ready to get there yet. Cause I don't, cause I think if you just jump too quickly there, um, okay. So Jesus, like Jesus was baptized for us. Jesus is somehow making us free in ways that I don't really, you know, I, I don't want to quick, I don't want to jump too quickly into our response because I, I think what we, <laughs> what we got to uh, reckon with is, you know, the way that the baptism of Jesus kind of confirmed his identity and uh, this is gets tricky, you know, but like kind of bestowed upon him or at least in, in ways that were visible to human eyes, like bestowed upon him, this power that is the Holy spirit that was like a dove. Um, and I think the key here is that is the first line of the actual request grant that all who are baptized into his name. So when we are baptized, um, we are not just, there's not, it's not just a ritual or it's not just a sign. We are, immersed into Jesus's name, which is like that word, the term name is kind of a stand in for, for being right. We are immersed into God's character and God's essence. And that same identity, we are beloved children and that same power anointing with the Holy spirit uh, is, is given to us. Right. And, you know, the kind of, we're both pretty influenced by the, the Lutheran tradition, that kind of undeserved and um uh undeserved and like complete uh, there's a better way to put that but um access to identity and power are just freely and instantaneously given to us um and you know in this way this collect and this sunday is like a profound opportunity to remember our baptism and to bring to mind those words that God said to us, I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. So um, before we start thinking and talking about like, well, what does it mean to keep the covenant that I have made? We have to like remind ourselves and root ourselves that we have been given this indescribable gift, this immersion into God's name, into our identity as the children of God, into the power that we have as people who have been anointed with the Holy Spirit. So let's delay the covenant language a little bit more, even more. And um, so I don't know if this is apocryphal or real. I, I want to say it's real, but supposedly Martin Luther is asked toward the end of his life, how do you know that you're a Christian or, or saved to use our language today? And his reply, and I like keep this in mind, right? That the church is, you know, mostly one. There's the Eastern Church and the Western Church, but here, in in his world, salvation is not outside of the church, and he has been excommunicated. I'm sure there's a lot of anxiety in his mind in the air, and so he's asked this question: How do you know that you're a Christian? You're outside the church, and what Martin Luther says is, "I am baptized. I look to my baptism, uh, which should." kind of in our minds, our wheels should be turning based on this colic, based on the baptism of our Lord, based on what Rowan Williams said. Uh, at our baptism, uh, we are described as God's sons and daughters, Jesus's brother, sister. Uh, and this is, he's, he's well pleased in us. And this is kind of what we were talking about last week, looking to those outward signs rather than looking within, looking to communion, looking to the preached word, looking to our baptism. These are the things we look to when we doubt, when we aren't sure if we're worthy, when, you know, I don't know about you, but I have days where like, I'm not even sure if I believe any of this. And to look at my faith, 
to look within to convince myself that well, I am a child of God or I am a Christian is not helpful. I really like what he says, I'm baptized. I look to this moment when God the Father says, you are my son, with you I am well pleased. So maybe now we can get to <laughs> the covenant we've made language. And I, I say all this, friends, because if some of you are familiar with the Episcopal tradition or you're in it, uh, you know there's a lot of language about keeping our baptismal covenant and rant here. It drives me crazy because it's all we talk about. We make that the, the primary message where I think what Nick and I are doing rightly here today is that's an outflowing of all this news we've just heard. So I don't want to totally shit on the baptismal covenant. So what do we do with this covenant we've made? Yeah, man, whatever the hell we're doing here today, we're doing it rightly. Uh, <laughs> true word from your lips to God's ears. Um, yeah, I mean, to be totally honest, the uh, the the notion that like what it means to be a Christian is to fulfill our baptismal covenant, I feel like that is language I hear all the time. It has like not even penetrated like the 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 veneer of my inner being. Like I, I just I I don't even totally. It's just so f not like that. That language just just so does not feel true to me. If someone were to ask me like Nick, what does it mean to be a Christian? The, the the that I would respond, oh, it means to you know follow your baptismal covenant. I just like that. I would say ninety things before I said that. Um, but to give you a technical answer, uh, I think the um, there are four questions in the baptismal service that are patterned on the Apostles' Creed, and then there's like a few other questions. I think five questions about how we like live out our faith. You know, persevere in resisting evil, proclaiming by word and example, seeking and serving Christ striving for justice and peace obviously very 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 good things um but I, I you know at the end of the day i think what this is saying is in light of our identity as god's beloved children in light of this power that we have given to us in the holy spirit in light of the the sacramental empirical fact that we have been washed in the waters and that god said to us in the first person in the rite of baptism you know you are baptized uh, i am baptized we have this ability to fulfill the covenant, you know, that what we, that is, we make, or that people make in our stead. Um, I mean, you know, to be totally honest, I'm not really that interested in like how good of a job we do with that. Cause I, <laughs> I think we're very unreliable, um, investigators of our own fidelity, you know, like, I don't know how good a job I'm doing and I'm not that concerned with it. I think as a, um, as a guide, it's extremely helpful. And it, you know, the way that it can function like the law, the way that it can tell us, what we should do and it, the way that it can remind us what we are not doing is incredibly helpful. You know, it's very, there's something very liberating about having an external standard through which we can, you know, shape our lives um, where that becomes uh, crushing or incriminating or deflating is when we kind of assume that just because we know what we ought to do, we will start doing it. Right. So, um, I don't know. Is it, is it, is it too much of a stretch? Is it too much of a parody of like the mockingbird thing to say, like hearing the baptismal covenant is oftentimes a good instance of the law. Like, okay, yeah, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. This is what the, this is the kind of life that God wants for me and from me. Um, praise be to God that Jesus Christ fulfilled the baptismal covenant and that I am engrafted into him. And that's what matters most is that, I don't know. What is that? Is, what is that? Well, uh, we'll end this podcast with a rendition of Jesus paid it all sung by Nick Comiskey. No, I mean, I, I, I think that, that that is right. I mean, I think 
I do like the language of the confession when we pray. We ask for forgiveness for the things we've done, but also for the things that we haven't done that we should have done. And I do think there is that fine line between the law being crushing, which is how I've experienced it mostly in my life, in my Christian background, but also like a healthy, uh, again, we use this word a lot, but eschatological or just how things will look like. Again, I've said it before, I'll say it again. I don't want to be stuck in my, in this mire and this, the sins I go back to over and over again, which hurt me, which hurt my neighbor. I'm so sick of it. Um, but to hear the baptismal covenant language as, you know, try harder or, uh, you know, if you just put in a little bit every single day, you'll get better at this. I, just my lived experience, it sounds like yours too, Nick, just doesn't match up with that. Me focusing on what I haven't done and what I'm not doing is not helping. But sometimes what does help is looking to the fact that Jesus loves me that Jesus calls me his brother, that God calls me his son. And this is by virtue of something outside of me. And so that just might make me want to be more patient. That just make me, might make me want to actually be a better person. And, you know, of course, an hour from now, I'm probably not. But again, I go back to these things every single day, hoping the Holy Spirit who's been given to me by virtue of my baptism is working out what is lacking in me and awaiting that day when I will love truly and freely. Yeah, man, I agree. I say amen <laughs> to that. Uh, okay, so yeah, just final thought before we pray out. I think, you know, if we zoom out a first second, what is this colic designed to do? And what is this Sunday designed to do in the church year? I think at, in my mind, it should remind you of your identity as your, as a beloved child of God. And it should remind you of the gift that you have received in the third person of the Trinity resident inside of you going before you and behind you, making it possible for you to, you know, walk in the way of love. Um, and I think that more than anything is what this collect and what this Sunday is all about. So with that, Father in heaven, who at the baptism of Jesus in the river Jordan, proclaimed him your beloved son and anointed him with the Holy Spirit, grant that all who are baptized into his name may keep the covenant they have made and boldly confess him as Lord and Savior, who with you and the Holy Spirit lives and reigns one God in glory everlasting. Amen. that episode of our triune pod now that you've been prepped for praise won't you do us a solid and subscribe and review we promise to keep the outlandish illustrations coming so be sure to join us for another episode of your new favorite